I'm Alex Del Sordo at another Rower's Choice podcast Zoomcast thing. And uh, I, I like, probably, I, I got someone all the way in the United Kingdom. I got a guy in the UK. He's an American, uh, but he is the chief coach of the women and lightweights. So both men and women at Cambridge University. Rob Weber, thank you for being here uh, at the podcast Zoomcast interview. Thank you for having me. So I start every single one with the same the same style. I want to know your background in rowing and your coaching background. So how have you, when did you start rowing? Uh, how have you gotten to become the chief coach at Cambridge University, winning, I think, two boat races uh, by my calculation? Well, including the lightweight women this year, yeah, because the, the open weight race got canceled along with pretty much everything else under the sun. Um, but yeah, it was... Um, how did I end up here? That's a really good question. I ask myself that every day. Um, you know, I, I think uh, I think I've been pretty fortunate in my career, especially over the last ten years or so that I've been really been coaching full time. Um, I, I think I just happened to kind of be at the right place at the right time, and uh, the experience that I had, I suppose, uh, obviously made me made me an attractive candidate to Cambridge. And I think um, yeah, I think it's a good fit for me. It's been. Um, it's been very challenging uh, learning a new system and, and really sort of adjusting to it to an entirely new culture very different than uh, at least the division three rolling back home in the states which is, which is where most of my experience was so um, yeah I, I think it was a combination of my, my experience coaching uh, college students uh, both men and women and then the, the national team experience that I had back in the states as well so when did you when did you start rowing like when did, at what point how old were you when you started uh, I, I, I started rolling at Wabash College in 1992. Um, I was actually recruited there to play football and played one year of football. And, um, and a couple of guys that were there a year or so older than I were their twins, actually. I think they'd either rode, did some rowing in high school or had transferred in and done some rowing before. And they said, hey, let's start a rowing club. And I said, oh, that sounds like a great idea. So, wow. so I took up rowing and, and I, was, I was a varsity swimmer as well. So um that's that's how I started, and we were uh, terrible, frankly. Um, <laughs> actually, a guy that I had rode with sent, uh, posted a video on Facebook from like 1993, and there was some argument about whether or not I was in the boat. And I said, "God, I hope I wasn't in that boat." And, <laughs> but, I think early, the early 90s had UCLA was really fast. I think right in like 93, 94. Uh, I had no idea what was going on in 1993 or 94. <laughs> Still don't, arguably, but yeah, no, I was very much a newbie and uh, uh, yeah, had no idea what was going on in the broader broader rowing world. So then, so then you, I mean, you went from being a member of the starting club at Wabash, Wabash, right? Wabash, like, yeah. Wabash. So what happened after row, your rowing career in college? What'd you do? Yeah, I went, uh, went on, did a few things. Um, Moved, moved to Virginia right after college and uh, ended up in graduate school at the College of William and Mary in 1990. Well, I can't even remember now, seven, I think. Okay. And I kind of got tricked into, tricked into helping coach the, the William and Mary Club that oh. year by, by, a, by a housemate of mine who wrote at Washington College under Mike Davenport. And uh, he said, hey, I've been, I've been working with the club. You want to come out and give it a shot? I said, sure, why not? So, uh, yeah, gave it a shot, and the rest is history. Well, I want to know that history. So you did, you did William <laughs> Mary, right? And then that's like late nineties. Yeah. I did, so you go I did William 
seminary. I just did it for a year. Just kind of, I was in graduate school. I just did it because, you know, I kind of missed rowing and I enjoyed it. And it was fun being around the kids and kind of getting back into it. And then, then I went off and did, um, got into the library profession, actually, um, with a master's in library science, master's in history. So I was doing that for about 10 years and coaching along the way, part-time. Uh, I, I did a second stint at William & Mary. Then I was at the Savannah College of Art and Design uh, in Savannah, Georgia, which was an NAIA program that has since folded. Uh, they, they, they cut the program, I guess, 10 or 12 years ago, 12 years ago or so now. So I was, I was at SCAD for a year. Uh, and then, gosh, what happened after that? Oh, I moved, moved to Lancaster, Pennsylvania and um, got hired as a as part-time assistant at Franklin and Marshall College, Division Three program that had pretty much just started at that point. Klaus Walter was the, the head coach there. And uh, about a year and a half into that, he decided to, to hang it up and, uh, and they hired me, or they offered me the job and, and I took the chance, uh, made a career change, went from you know, being a full-time librarian to being a full-time rowing coach. And that was in 2010, 11. Is that kind of 2010? Yeah. About 10 years ago. Now you were at Hamilton for a while. Is that right? I was at Hamilton for four years. Yeah. I was at F and M for six years and then did Hamilton college. And then Hamilton college, you, you get this opportunity to be part of the national team with Tom Terhart, right? So how many yeah. years were you with Tom in that, in that, in those cycles? Yeah, that started in 2013. I was still actually at, at F and M. So it was the summer before my final year at F and M. Um, I had, yeah, I just um, yeah, it was was <laughs> really lucky. It was in the right place at the right time, and um, I, I think I think um, you know he must have taken pity on me or something. But um, yeah, he he agreed to let me come out and hang out for the summer, and you know I figure I'll just be you know filling gas cans and getting coffee and just sort of hanging out and watching what's going on. And the next thing I know, he's he's uh, giving me charge of the of the four at the World Championships that year. So and that was before the. The straight four was was um, back in the Olympics for the women, so um, so that was interesting. So in that, so we had a we recently did a pod um, a coaches yelling episode where I asked the question, <laughs> who's the best uh, the, who's the best coach in modern rowing, and uh, obviously Tom comes up. What was it like, uh, or what can you give me some kind of insight into his coaching style uh, that you experienced for a couple of years there in the summer times? Yeah, I mean, he's got a reputation for not saying much, and I suppose at times that's well deserved. He, he tends to be pretty quiet. I, he's just very measured, I think, and 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 he realizes that that each Olympic cycle is, well, an Olympic cycle it's four years long, so he's not trying to get a result next week, so to speak. I mean, he knows that it's the long haul, so I think he's very patient and very measured, um, and sort of knows what he's looking for in the long run. Um, but I mean, I, I've 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 experienced him being very chatty as well, both to the athletes and, and to other coaches. I mean, he's, he's a pretty different guy um, in my experience off the water and in a social context and around his family in particular. Um, but yeah, he's just, um, he's, he's a consummate professional. So, and, and knows, I mean, it's, you know, don't mean to bad mouth anybody, but you know, you hear some people saying, well, you know, he just, he just gets these great athletes and, cranks out these great crews and he, you know, doesn't really coach them. And that, that's just not true. If <laughs> anybody spent any time around him. So. Yeah. Carrie Simmons, uh, one of his athletes, uh, sure. times I might I'm sure you know who she is. Yeah. Yeah. No, Carrie. She's very highly of him. And, and, uh, we've had, she's been on our episode three, three of the episodes for coaches yelling. 
And we've gotten just experiencing her style and her approach, we've gotten to really understand and learn the US rowing Olympic cycle training. And, and I, I wanna to talk to anybody who's been around Tom. I hope Tom comes on the show one day. I'd love to get his insight into rowing. Um, so I'll put in a plug. <laughs> that would be really nice. Thank you for that. Uh, so for you know Cambridge, the boat race, uh, it's, it's one of the most beautiful races in the world. There's an insane amount of people that attend it. How did, and this job is, is a, a fantastic job. How did this position come to be, uh, in your, in your possession, in your hands? How did you get this job at Cambridge? Oh, gosh, uh, I, I guess I just applied. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I knew, uh, I'd had some, I'd had some uh, association very sort of um, casually with, with Rob Baker, who uh, was the women's coach for five or six years here at Cambridge and is now the men's coach. Um, so I'd, I'd gotten to know him a very little bit over, over a couple of years before I came here. And, and of course, knew Liv Coffee. I, I coached her in that 2013 crew in Korea. And then again at, at Henley Royal in 2016 uh, with the crew that, that won the Ruminum Cup. Um, and, and she had, she had rode at Cambridge in 2017, 18. So the year before I came here. And so, um, you know, she was, she was very encouraging to me to apply for it. And, and I think might've put in a good word. So there was a little bit of a connection there. Um, but yeah, I just, apart from that, I didn't know anybody here. Um, sure. Honestly, I, I think something, something about my background or my interaction with people there just, just clicked, I suppose. Well, this is a good uh, transition question. Um, as an American coaching a British program and one of the oldest races in the world, like how how have they taken to you being an American coaching those athletes? Uh, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's been any, apart from the good natured ribbing, you know, there's not any, uh, the, the Trump jokes and that sort of thing. I mean, there's no, uh, <laughs> there's, there's nothing, there hasn't been anything, anything unusual about it. I mean, there's, it's, it's an international group here. Well, there's a lot of Americans, I assume on your program. Yeah, a fair, fair number, fair number of Americans, but, but, but also from, from other parts of the world. I mean, um, yeah, this year we had, uh, you know, we had a Bahamian, um, and uh, you know people from people from all over Germany, uh, the Netherlands, um, so Lithuania. So it's it's a it's a pretty mixed, it's a pretty crazy group. So well, so I mean, great background. I mean, you've been doing this for a long time, so you definitely know your stuff. And and you you tend not to boast, which I I really appreciate. But I got I got a lot of coaches I think watch this. Okay, and they listen to these. And given your background and your history, I have I have questions that really are geared towards coaches listening, you know? And my first question for you is, um, where do you start or how do you start building your plan to win the boat race next year? What are things that go through your head as a coach? What are you preparing for a year in advance? Because I know how cutthroat and how serious the boat race is. There's a lot of pressure there. Um, how do you start building your plan? Yeah, that's a pretty appropriate question. I mean, given the situation where we're in now with the race being canceled this year, we've got, you know, all the summer racing, Henley, uh, British university championships, all that being canceled. So we've got, we've got kind of the luxury, I suppose you could say of some time, uh, really to deal with that. So we're taking a good hard look or we're going to take a good hard look at kind of how we did things this year and, and what, what really needs to change. I mean, from a, a training program standpoint, obviously, you know, it's, it's just like any coach. I mean, they look at their, 
their championship race where they want to peak and they they back up and you know however they want to do the cycle but i mean cambridge is just it's an unusual sort of play i mean rowing university rowing even club rowing here in, in the uk is a lot different than it is back home and i'm not quite sure i really appreciated that uh, when i came over here um, can you quickly explain what you mean by that like what yeah i mean well for one there's no ncaa so i mean universities they apart from the british university and colleges regatta which would be happening here in another couple of weeks i mean it's the only time that that university crews will race multi-lane side by side 2000 meters i mean apart from that there it's mostly head racing frankly um starting in in the season just sort of cycles a little bit differently you know the head racing starts in say october and will go through really the boat race i suppose so early april and then then the then the summer um the summer season will kick in which is a little bit more uh, side by side racing but you know university crews will race alongside club crews at any of these events i mean in some in some respects it's like head racing back in the states but there's not really a collegiate season so to speak is the way that that, that we would think of our university season as we would think of it in the states and i kind of miss that you know frankly and uh, certainly this year missing it because it's not having at all but you know i, I like i like the week after week of you know side by side racing and um to sort of uh, not the not necessarily the cutthroat nature of that but you know who's who's going to be on top after after any particular weekend of racing and miss so, checking the results <laughs> yeah so with your uh with your like it's obvious as the coach of cambridge you only have one focus and that's the win the boat race right like that is your main focus as you're building a plan i mean that's the main focus yeah and that's really sort of what we build everything around it's um I mean, to to say that we weren't focused on that would be disingenuous. But also, I mean, we we really we kind of pride. We're not really we don't want to be a one trick pony. Um, you know, we do we do racing throughout the year, leading up to the boat race. You know, our first race will be in November with the the, the fours head of the river in London. We'll send athletes to British trials. Uh, then we'll do uh, two or three head races and fixtures in the um, in the months leading up to the boat race and then the summer racing. So. So yeah, I mean the boat race is is the focus, but it's not the only thing we do. And and you know, going back to the question, right now you're reevaluating what you've been able to accomplish in the first four months of the year. Is that what you guys are doing? Or well, going back to last last September when we yeah when we started this this year's campaign. So how many how many months? Yeah, because okay, that there. I think you answered my question. So you start in September and you build to April's boat race. Is that is that yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll start last weekend in August, I suppose. Um, and we'll go, we'll go full bore between then and really through the boat race, uh, which is typically late March, early April. And then we'll take a week off and then we'll start again and go through Henley Royal. So, um, I mean, that's, that's sort of the, it's really sort of a, it's almost an old, what, 10 or 11 month season. If you really want to look at it that way. I mean, not all the athletes stick around after the boat race to train and, and race, uh, but but a good number do, and we we encourage them to do so. And for you, I mean, this is a full year. This is all year long, just yeah, full time job. How I mean, much? There's, really, there's no off season. No off season. So how much right. of your time is dedicated to, let's say, working with alumni, working with the university, and then athletes? Is there what kind of balance is that like over the year? <clears throat> yeah, it's. I mean, most people don't realize this and I'm not sure I even, well, I, th I think I knew, but a lot of people probably don't realize we're not actually part of the university. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not employed by the university. I'm employed by the Cambridge university women's boat club, which is a separate entity entity to the university. We're obviously we're affiliated with and, and represent the university, but 
Um, we don't come under the really under the university governance structure for good or bad. Um, it also means that that we aren't as um, I suppose tied into the university fundraising machine. Although fun fundraising here at the university level, I think is again is quite different than it is back in the states. Um, how do I balance it? So I don't have to deal a whole lot with kind of university politics or administration. Again, I think that's got, got both good and bad aspects of it. Um, and, and I don't, I don't have to deal with, 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 you know, I, I don't interact a, a great deal with alumni. Um, some, yeah, there are a few that, that, that you interact with quite a bit. Uh, you know, we have a, an executive committee that really is sort of the governing, governing body of the boat club and they're, they're all alumni. So, Obviously, I'm, I work pretty closely with them. Um, you know, my, my boss is, is an alumna of the, of the university and of the, of the club. So um, in that respect, yeah, but, but the broader alumni base, not really, really? Not really engaged with, yeah. So in your, in your two and a half years, I think, with Cambridge, what kind of obstacles have you run into um, transitioning from the U.S. to here and, and, and just experiencing the level of coaching you're at now? Any obstacles that you've hit? I don't, I don't know if obstacles is really the right word. I mean, challenges for sure. Um, I mean, I suppose the, the biggest one is just sort of, as you've, as you've kind of touched on is, is adjusting to having, having a season that's really centered on one race and, and performing at sure. that one race. Um, unfortunately haven't, haven't lost it. Well, haven't lost an open weight boat race. We've, we've lost a few lightweight races in the, in the two years I've been here, but um I think that was the biggest adjustment, learning how to coach a, a crew and prepare a crew to race on that course. Um, everybody talks about the tideway and, and how tricky it is, and, and it certainly is. Um, and, and just learning, just, I mean, from just strictly learning the navigational rules of, of, of running a session, a practice session on that, on that body of water takes a little bit of time. But, you know, you got to know where's the right course, where's the stream going to be. And it's going to vary depending on what the tide, you know, how, how high the tide is, how fast it's flowing, what the wind's doing. Um, so it is, it is pretty tricky. And that, that, that has taken, um, that has taken a lot of energy to figure that out. There's a, um, it's, I was a, a lifeguard rower for 10 years. Uh, and I raced with, uh, Dan Garbett and the Funk brothers and all these guys in South Jersey. And my first day as a lifeguard rower, I did not, I, I underestimated the value of current wind direction. So like lifeguard ocean rowing is a lot like where you're rowing on that, on that tidal basin. I mean, I yeah. not imagine and races are won and lost by being in the wrong spot. Right. You yeah. Have the best yeah. Crew, but so yeah, that, that seems like a, a challenge to overcome. I mean, someone that hasn't been on that body of water his whole life coming in, you got to learn it pretty quick. It's yeah. Pretty yeah. Yeah. And I mean, everything, you know, I say we're not a one-trick pony, but I mean, everything we do, at least between September and the boat race, is to prepare for the boat race. I mean, mm -hmm. even if we're even if we're participating in another race, um, it's to prepare for the boat race. Um, do you, so you said that you miss the side-by-side -side racing of the NCAA style. Yeah. Um, I mean, have you grown to love that 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 way of coaching? That you got one thing to focus on, and is that is that a better mentality maybe to take? Uh, you know, I think, I think, I think it is in some ways, in some ways it's, it's, in some ways it's not, <laughs> but, uh, but it, it is, uh, 
it is a singular focus, which I suppose in, in, in a way is, is pretty good because you know that everything you're doing is geared towards that. And if you can sort of keep that in mind as, as your vision and, and, you know, okay, well, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to race. You don't have to worry about racing baits this weekend and, and whoever else it might be the next weekend. And if, if I can beat these people and then beat these people, and if this crew loses and this crew wins, maybe I'll get a bid to the NCAAs. I mean, if that, if the NCAA is your, is your goal, in the States, then a lot of things for, for a lot of crews at least have to really sort of fall into place. Whereas with us, you know, we know we're going to be racing Oxford. Um, that that's what's going to happen. And, uh, in, in some respects, you know, there's no, there's no defense in rowing as the saying goes. So, you know, you can't, you can't really worry about who you're racing, but, um, there is a lot of strategy involved to this and there is a lot that has to go in, um, over the course of six months to, to prepare for it. And you get the crew used to racing on that body of water. I mean, we spend a lot of time in London training and racing on the tideway, especially starting in, say, late January. We're down there most weekends for two, two and a half months uh, training or racing on the tideway to prepare. And, and that was the thing that sort of struck me last year um, in 2019, coaching the first boat race. My first boat race there was uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was built up in my mind. And of course I'd watch it on TV and you get all the hype and the media coverage and, and all the fancy graphics and the drone and helicopter footage and all that stuff. But, you know, being there as part of it, it was, I don't want to use the word anticlimactic because it was the most nervous I'd ever been and the, and, the, and winning was, was probably the most gratifying I've, I've ever felt in, in this career. But um, you, you're just so used to being there all the time that we spent there, that it was just almost just like another day on the highway. We just, you know, we walked out of the oh. boathouse like we'd done a hundred times before. You know, so there are a quarter million people there watching, but. Uh, uh, I mean, I was going to interrupt. Listen, like I've seen the boat race 15 times and not where you have been. There, there's an armada of boats. Yeah. Well, you don't notice that because I was so zeroed in on that. I mean, come on. I, mean, I was just, in the armada. You know, I wasn't looking around. I was, <laughs> I was watching the crew. There's a there's a million people lined up around the around the riverbanks. Yeah. Armada and the, the wake that that creates. The, the only time I ever took, I, I can honestly tell you this, and of course, it's just been the one boat race, but, uh, you know, I was following the race in one of the, in one of the launches. And um, the only time I took notice of the crowds was, was going under Hammersmith Bridge and, and looked up and saw the people on the bridge. But um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, maybe I just had tunnel vision and, and blocked everything else out. This, this is a question that's popped up by my head here and this, is, this kind of leads me to this, what you just said. Rowing in the United Kingdom is way more popular than it is here in the United States. And the history of Cambridge is, I don't even know how many years it is. You, you know the answer to that. Uh, Oxford Cambridge race 170 years old, I think, or more. 29 the man i think yeah so so 39 so then how so what's in your mind as you've been there now a year and a half i mean how can you speak to the difference in popularity between rowing here and rowing in the united kingdom uh in the united states yeah yeah um yeah i think i i think it is i mean everybody knows everybody knows the boat race whether they give a flip about rowing or not, or have any association with Oxford Cambridge. I mean, I got friends in Scotland that are musicians and they, they're, you know, they don't probably don't pay any attention to rowing. And like last year after the race, I got a, almost, I got a text almost immediately from one of the guys, you know, saying, Oh, I watched the race five lengths way to go. So it was kind of, that was pretty cool. But, and then, you know, most students at Cambridge and probably Oxford as well row at some point in their, 
in their career, at least as an undergraduate, because every there are like 30, 31, 30 or so colleges at Cambridge and they each have their own boat club. Sure. And probably just about everybody, at least again, as an undergraduate rose for at least a term at Cambridge, wow. you know, whether they're any good or they like it, or they obviously they continue with it. It's a different story, but um, in each, in each of those college boat clubs has their own, has their own history and traditions and that they're very proud of. Maybe, maybe that's the, maybe that's the secret to growing rowing here in the United States, forcing every student to row at least <laughs> one season. Um, well, I mean, it is, it's just, it's sort of a, it's sort of a, you know, it's, it's stereotypically Cambridge and Oxford, right? It's, uh, um, you know, you think of Cambridge and Oxford and, and you think of rowing. So now have you, have you learned to hate Oxford? Is there that much rivalry? I don't hate anyone. Um, do I hate Oxford? No, of course I don't hate Oxford, but, uh, you know, it's, um, their, their, their students are just like ours. Um, many, obviously in many ways. Um, but it, it, it is, it is an intense rivalry. Um, you know, and it goes back a really long way. It leads me to my next question here is, uh, how do you, how do you manage the pressure and how do you manage your athletes anxieties leading up to that big championship race that 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 one race that means so much to them the alumni the school yeah. how do you manage yeah. that uh, i try to manage try to manage expectations all the way through the season and 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 emphasize to the athletes that yes you know we want to go and we want to perform as well as we can against Oxford. we always want to race to win but you know, we don't, we want to train to win. We want to race to win, but we don't focus on the winning. We focus on, on the process. And I mean, it's, it's a message that coaches all over the world, I'm sure deliver to their athletes, but you know, it's, it's, if you do the steps along the way correctly, you're going to be as prepared as you can be. If you win, great. If you lose, you know, you're going to feel bad, but you know, you did the best you could. And it, and it, it sort of sounds a little, a little cliche and a little trite, but um, and you know, we, we employ a sports psychologist that works with the athletes. And one of the big messages that she delivers to them is focus on your evidence, you know, and there was a study that was done by a, a woman who previously worked with Cambridge women is that, is that women tend to let me phrase this correctly. Women tend to look at their most recent result, whatever the field may be athletics, business, whatever it might be. They tend to look at their most recent result and that colors their mood, their attitude, how they feel about themselves. Whereas men are for whatever reason, will look at a, a broader picture. So, and that, that I try to keep that in mind. So we try to create an opportunity, create opportunities throughout the season for the athletes to collect a body of evidence that, that they can then draw on to, um, to, to support the notion that they're successful and, and to build the confidence. Um, so that's one sort of, what, that's one thing that we sort of do. I mean, yes, it's, it's one race and it's, you know, it can be easily messed up. I mean, the 20, whatever, the 2017 race where the, the Oxford woman caught the crab right off the start, the first stroke. I mean, the race was over. I mean, it's probably over anyway, frankly. Um, the Cambridge crew that year was immensely strong and set a course record, but, um, Still, I mean, you, you don't want that to happen. And, and I, I didn't know that, you know, focus on your evidence. I, I really hope that the coaches listening and watching this will take that in and, and understand, like, especially at the high school level, right? Because in high school rowing, 
And because they're trying to get to college, they're, 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 there's so much anxiety and so much frustration. Um, collecting the body of evidence to support that they're successful and focusing on the evidence, I, that, that is a great thing for young coaches to adapt and to take in to then push that out to their athletes. That's yeah. setting, setting expectations. Now, you don't. I mean, we, we, we struggle with that this year because we had so many races canceled and, and we had. A, a, a lot of injury and illness um, and, and some, some, yeah, that, that really sort of prevented us from, from doing some of the things that we would have wanted to do that would have given some of, that would have given our athletes some of that confidence. So, I mean, our blue boat was, was the, the crew that would have been Blondie had, had, had had some success racing against the Oxford top eight um, at a head race in, in late January, but our blue boat hadn't done that uh, because we half the crew was injured. Uh, so they just didn't send them. So they were kind of going, they were kind of going, they, they would have been going into the boat race a little, a little cold, a little blind. And, uh, some of the fixtures didn't go particularly well. So yeah, I think, I think it would have been a, I think it would have been a heck of a race. Well, I, you know, you, you seem like a soft-spoken person, but I, I want you to take this moment to trash talk a little bit, or at least maybe let me see your <laughs> ego here. If the, if the boat race happened, what, two weeks ago, um, what would have been, what, what's your prediction? What do you think would have happened to finish off uh, the championship race? Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm, being, I'm being dead honest with you. I mean, there, 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 was, there was evidence. I mean, I can point to evidence that would have said, you know, I think we would have had the upper hand. I could have pointed to some evidence that said maybe Oxford would have had the upper hand, to be perfectly honest. I, 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 re I think it would have been a really close race. I, I think it would have been overlapped the whole way. I think it would have come down to less than a length either way, and I, re I really don't know. That kills me. I mean, that kills me. Like, I, I, I mean, no one on planet Earth wouldn't want to watch that, right? Yeah. Bow to bow for 17 minutes? Come on. That would have been well, cool. We'll look at the – what was it? The 2000 – Two or 2003 men's boat race. I mean, it came down to a foot. Unbelievable. I mean, they race 6,800 meters. It comes down to a foot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God, I'm getting, I'm getting chills. Who yeah. would have? Uh, do you follow the men's side at all? I mean, do you, do you stay? Sure. So who? What? You, what was your prediction for the men's side? Who would have taken it? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know that I paid that close attention to it. To be honest with you. Uh, I, I think we, I think Cambridge would have had the upper hand again this year, but again, I think it, I think it would, I mean, it was relatively close last year. It probably shouldn't have been as close as it was Cambridge won, but, uh, I, I think it would have been another close race. Um, uh, I, I think Cambridge might've had the upper hand on the men's side. I have a, uh, I have a selfish last question for you. So, um, we're, we're sort of rowers choice. We are exploring things for, for future of rowing and we're trying to understand maybe where this sport can go for the future. What are your thoughts on a professional rowing league? What do you think about a oh. thing where athletes are paid to row and race around the world and compete with one another? I think that would be really cool. Um, who's going to, who's going to, who's going to pay for that though? I guess it's a I am going to work my butt off to make that happen. I'll tell you that right now, but we're, we're trying to get an understanding on if it would be from a spectator standpoint. Um, I think we can make it fun. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, I think there's a lot of stories to be told and a lot of people that would really enjoy making it a profession. I'm not saying you're making millions, but yeah. I'm saying maybe it was your side job for a while, for a couple of years after college. Yeah. 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 And I, yeah, I don't know what kind of spectator base you'd need to support that, but yeah, I think it would, I don't know. You might have to play with the format a little bit. I mean, I know there's a lot of talk at the, 
at the top levels at the Olympic level of, I don't know, doing shorter races or different distance races is like, you know, swimming or, or, or track and that sort of thing. But that, that could be interesting. Well, that was actually that was actually a lead-in question here because uh, we are huge proponents at Rowers Choice of changing distances. I want to say changing, adding distances to the cycle of the year, right? So if we did a 500-meter sprint series or 750 meters, you can get a different group of athletes coming in and competing, just like the 100-meter dash or the 200 butterfly, you know, as you alluded to in swimming, uh, but not taking away from the 2,000-meter approach at the Olympics. Uh, do you think that that is something the sport would, uh, adopt and, and enjoy doing? I, I think if it were a, I think if it were a way to draw more attention and draw more spectators, I, I'm not sure that it would be a bad thing at all. Um, I mean, I can certainly see how that creates some nightmares for some coaches. I mean, in, in federations, I mean, you might, you might, in, you'd, you'd, you'd have to hire more coaches, I suppose, if you've got people coming in that would, you know, kill a 500 meter sprint, but, but, you know, wouldn't be able to do 2000 meters at the top level. So, I mean, that could be, it could be really game changing. Well, that's what we're trying to do. I mean, look, let's face it. The, the Olympic level, uh, the Olympic level folks, the Olympics don't, aren't excited about rowing that much. And on the high school level, you're, you're pushing away more athletes because you're focusing specifically on sports, right? I mean, you were a multi-sport person back in the nineties and a lot of coaches and a lot of schools like don't like that. They just say, Hey, you row all year round. And because of our style of rowing and training, you're removing the ability to have multiple athletes come and be part of rowing. So we are huge proponents of growing the sport. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I can see that. I can see that. And I, yeah, I, I, I think it's a mistake to have kids specialize um, in one sport or another. And I think that's a, I mean, I, I think that's something that's, that's, that's happened in the last, what, maybe 15 or 20 years, especially. I don't see it as much over here. I mean, I feel like youth sports here is a lot more relaxed than, than it is back home. Yeah, I think you're I, – I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think you're right. I know you're right. I mean, yeah. I, I've known a lot of folks that have rode in England. I've, I've raced Henley twice, and I've spent a lot of my time just talking to athletes around there. And it is a big difference. But it's also – there's a lot of excitement behind rowing in England right, compared to the United States. There's just a lot more <laughs> – energy and excitement for it well events like the boat race and, and henley royal certainly certainly lend themselves towards that i mean you know i guess in the u.s we've got heather charles is really sort of the only thing that that approaches the boat race or or henley royal um but i mean there's 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 proof there that you can i mean the right circumstances you can you can get thousands of people to turn out to watch a race it's a festival man and that's and that's yeah. but um my I, you know i keep i i keep saying last question but um <laughs> Forgive me, because I, I need to know this. You're training at the highest level with these athletes. These are these are some of the best rowers in the world. How much emphasis do you put on the erg itself on a yearly basis for these kids? Emphasis in what regard? Like so, like placing the tests boat. or like, yeah, tests and creating the boat. Like I know it's a training tool, but yeah. do you put a lot of emphasis on erg scores making the top boat? It's a gateway, I suppose. Really, for us. I mean, you know, we we will make intermediary, I suppose, selection decisions for for races leading up to the boat race. If we don't have any on the water I mean, seat racing data, um, then we'll use our scores. But what we really want to focus on on, on results on, on results on the water, as I'm sure any coach would, 
you know, the, the hard data to say black and white data to say, you know, this, this kid over this kid. Um, and I think that that, that gives the athletes a lot more certainty as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we tell them we, you know, we do not a whole lot of ERG testing. We'll do, I guess, four tests over the course of the year. We'll do two, two Ks. We'll do a two K and a five K in the first week of September. And then, um, another two K and another five K, but all before Christmas, we haven't done last two years. We haven't done any ERG testing after Christmas. So, um, that might be something we, we look to change, but you know, and they know that that we use that and we, and we weight adjust and we use the weight adjusted score. We, we, we put, we put more emphasis on that than we do the raw score. Um, I love that. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I take a lot of notes here and, uh, I, we name these podcast interviews and I, and I'm going to need some help from CJ on, on, on what we're naming this thing. Um, there's a, there, there's one, you know, you've, you've, your career has, has, has been all over the country, the United States at all levels. And now you're at Cambridge, and, and I and I, I consider that to be one of the best coaching positions in, in our sport. I mean, you're you're pretty lucky. You're pretty lucky. I think that's wonderful, um, Rob. I have had a great time talking to you. I really hope the yeah, fun. and and the folks that watch this or listen to this can take a lot out of this. And the one thing that I'm going to bring into my life um, is focusing on the evidence. Right? Mm-hmm. If I have a goal in mind, I'm going to make sure that I don't get distraught or anxious or or off off my plan as long as I watch my evidence. Through the through the cycle, uh, that was a great piece of advice there, and I'm going to take for myself. So, yeah, I'll try to remember that one too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're gonna need it. Uh, listen, thank you, Rob, for being part of this, and I hope you enjoyed yeah, sure. listening to the Rowers Choice podcast. Yeah, thanks a lot. This is the Rowers Choice podcast. Rowers Choice is made up of Finish Line Shell Repair, Resolute Racing Shells, and Sykes USA.